Hi, Shane. How are you, sir? Good. How are you doing, Dave? I'm doing well. It's been a minute, but good to hear your voice. Good to see you. And good to finally see the schedules out, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> we'd kind of uh, pieced together bits and pieces right. of them for a while now, but uh, to see all the all the dates and time well not all times but you know we got the dates for these games and opponents and everything else uh the whole puzzle's put together so it, it is good to see kind of get the get an idea what the season's going to look like for both the men and women teams over JMU and five double headers that'll be kind of fun that'll be nice for you to cover those yeah yeah those are always <laughs> good I, I enjoy those like you know other than <laughs> trying to finish a press conference and then get back to right. see the start of the next game uh I do enjoy having both teams around at the same time. It uh, makes things makes for a fun day. Have they done that much in the past? Uh, they, they haven't the last couple of years. There's been a few, but not many. Have they done that much in the past with doubleheaders? Not to that degree. Okay. Where I think there's yeah, like you said, there's a handful this year. Um, yeah, in the past, it's maybe been um, you know once or twice a year. Uh, but uh, no, I and I think it makes sense, mm-hmm. especially even you know at JMU where the the interest level between the men's and women's overlaps so much. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Jamie gets a lot of interest for women's basketball compared to a lot of their peers. So I think it makes sense um, <clears throat> to have some double headers, especially with the fan base, a lot of the fan base coming from a couple hours away. It, make, it makes things a little easier on them. Yeah. I like, and again, coming from division two, all of the games in conference play were double headers. They, they didn't travel together, but there was a women's and men's game, every single conference game. So it does make it easier for fans, but again, I, I, I also get why they don't do it. But let's kind of look at these two schedules. We're talking to Shane Metlin from the Daily News Record. We'll start with the men's as it was released yesterday. But um, the opener is going to be fun against uh, Sparty and Tom Izzo going to uh, to play against a Hall of Fame coach in, in, uh, in Tom Izzo and go play Michigan State. But that'll be fun for the Dukes. And then they go and turn around and a few days later go play Kent State. That'll be a huge challenge to open up the season. This is not a Division three opponent to open up the year this year. No, yeah. I mean, if they can start one and one that first week of the season, I think they'll be pretty happy with it because uh, it's you know maybe their two toughest non-conference games of the season uh, right there in the first week. So, and you hit the road for both of them, so it, it'll be a t- it'll be a challenge. It'll be uh, tough, but um, I think you know they got an experienced team, even if uh, some of the guys haven't played at JMU before. Mm-hmm. So you know they're probably ready for a challenge right off the bat. But uh, it is definitely a different approach than maybe they've taken in, in years past. Well, and the one thing that will help them this year is they're in Italy right now. So they were able to get about 10 more practices, try and work on the chemistry with the new guys. And, again, it's going to change from year to year. They lost some big pieces off of last year's team. So to have the trip that they're having right now in Italy and play games, practice, and get those extra practices, that's going to be very beneficial for them. Yeah, they've actually made it back from Italy. Oh, I talked to Mark uh, yesterday. So, uh, yeah, they, they've made it back from Italy. They played a couple games there. They've had a lot of extra practices. Um, I think the competition in Italy didn't end up being as strong as they were hoping or expected. Um, I think in the summer over there, the rosters might not be as set as they are over here. So uh, maybe they didn't play against the teams they quite expected. But um, But they got some games in. They saw the transfers. Play. I know they're really, really high on TJ Bickerstaff now. After uh, after some practices in Harrisonburg and a couple games over there, I think they've. I think they think they've got their best big man they've had since uh, since Mark Byington's been in Harrisonburg. Talk a little bit about what you've learned from their games over there. Then we'll talk more about the schedule. But I know he had Bickerstaff had a couple of double digit rebound games. Um, I know he was <laughs> he had some pretty big numbers. What did you kind of found out about the games over there and what what the what the coaches saw? 
Yeah, like like you said, uh, TJ Bickerstaff was putting up big numbers over there. Um, I think you know they expected him to be an excellent rebounder, but he's also scoring uh, maybe even more than he has previously in his career. Um, <clears throat> Terrence Edwards, I think, is doing about what's expected of him at this point in his career. Um, he and when when I've seen them practice a little bit, he was you know close to unstoppable. I think I think he's going to have a huge year for JMU. Uh, you know, definitely an all-conference type of player. Um, you know, Mark said, you know, Noah Friedel has been looking, you know, really good this summer. Like, maybe he's as settled in to being at JMU as he has been since he transferred from uh, South Dakota State. Um, you know, some of the other transfers that I think they're pretty high on. Um, Mike Green, I think, is going to be the point guard. Uh, <clears throat> Xavier Brown probably gets some minutes, but it seems like you know Mike Green's probably going to be the guy kind of running the show offensively. Um, and you know, he, the guy he mentioned that maybe won't put up some huge stats this year, but he was really, really excited about uh, Raekwon Horton from call, coming from College of Charleston. Um, you know his defensive ability, his athleticism. Uh, it sounds like he's probably going to get some minutes. Uh, so. You know, I think I think just being in Italy, even though those games weren't very competitive, I think just getting to see different groups of players mm-hmm. play minutes together in an actual game um, probably helped them out a lot to kind of figure out what they've got. I think I think you're exactly right. We're talking to Shane Metlin from the Daily News Record, and I'm again going to try and talk to Coach Byington here too and, and get his thoughts on everything. But you know, I kind of you kind of forget about Noah Friedel again. He's coming back, but sometimes in, he didn't shoot the ball kind of like what people expected he had games where he did but he was still a solid player but I think he could have a huge year this year now having been in this system for a year understanding everything a little bit better do you do you think that he may have a big year I think I think he might um they say he's shooting it lights out right now uh and you know with shooters it can be a streaky situation where you know you can't miss for a month and then you know the come back down to earth a little bit but they say right now he's looking like the shooter that he was at South Dakota state where he, he was, you know, 42, 45% three point shooter mm-hmm. for his career at, um, at South Dakota state didn't shoot that well at Jamie last year. He was about, you know, 35%, which is good, which is okay. It's fine. But, um, you know, I think they were expecting him to be one of those guys who pretty much anytime he touched the ball right. across half court was able to, was a threat to put it up and, and score and, you know, he, he might be that guy this year. We're talking to Shane Metlin from the Daily News Record. He is the JMU basketball beat writer for the DNR. And what else do you make of the, the non-conference? We mentioned Michigan State, Kent State after that. Eh, it's, it's okay. The home schedule in, in the non-con, Howard, Radford, um, Buffalo, Keystone comes to town, Coppin State, and then they go to Morgan State, Hampton, ODU, and they get the uh, the Cancun games as well as Southern Illinois, and then either Fresno State or New Mexico State. Um, I guess it's better than last year, but eh, it, it's okay. Yeah, it's it's similar to last year, I think, in overall quality. Um, you know, one thing Mark did point out to me, though, was that they um, he, he was able to kind of finagle it so – they're playing most of their home games when students are in town. And, you know, I'm sure you would notice it as much as I did last year, the, the difference in atmosphere and crowd and everything else uh, when the students are out of town for breaks is, is huge. It is big. It's a big difference. <laughs> you know, but probably maybe even wasn't a factor in, you know, some of their uh, early um, Sunbelt games last year where they didn't play quite as well at home against, you know, a Texas State or a App State mm-hmm. or something. So, I mean, it seems like they – they did a pretty good job of 
Um, Megan, so when they do have to go on the road, they're taking relatively short trips to Hampton or Morgan State and um, and are able to do that when, you know, it might not be the most ideal time to be playing a home game anyway. Um, so they're getting some regional games in. They're going to be, you know, playing near some alumni bases when the students are gone. I think in that regard, the schedule makes a lot of sense. There's still, it's just very difficult to get quality opponents, really. Like, you know, you talk about, teams that a lot of teams on the schedule finished 200 or below last year in net rankings. And that doesn't mean they will this year, but, um, you know, outside of, you know, the Mac challenge and working some connections to get Michigan state on there, um, it's difficult to get the really high quality games for Jamie right now. Yeah. We're talking to Shane Metlinger from the DNR and, as far as the conference schedule goes, even even that they have they open up against Texas State on the the thirtieth of December, but then they go on the road for for a couple of games. So again, students will be gone then. Then they come back the eleventh, thirteenth, and they play four consecutive games at home. Students will start to be back at that point in time, but they get those four straight games at home. Five of your first seven at home, a chance to maybe start hot this year in the Sun Belt. But then you look down the road. Last year was four home games to end the regular season. This year, four road games against Eastern Division teams to end the regular season. So that that could make or break them to kind of playing for seeding in the Sun Belt tournament. Yeah, um, yeah. Those last two weeks, um, we saw it last year where it was there was a whole bunch of teams that were potentially looking at getting you know that double buy or the buy, mm-hmm. and it really didn't shake itself out until the last you know week of the season and. Um, you know, Jam, you enjoyed playing four games at home to end it last year, and it's the exact opposite for them this time around. And um, you know, they played pretty well on the road they last did. year, so if they can continue that trend, they'll probably be fine. But uh, but definitely, definitely a different look for for the schedule this time. And we'll flip it to the women now, as their schedule was released a couple of days ago, and they they do the exact same thing. They end with four consecutive games on the road to close out the regular season. Also, they open up with a much different opponent. They get EMU instead of Michigan State, but then they get they have a, a pretty good non-conference schedule. Their home games are Toledo in, in, in the Sunbelt MAC Challenge. They get Longwood, VCU, um, some regional games. Then they get Wake Forest coming to town, a Power 5 school, William & Mary. Then they also have some challenging road games at Maryland, at Maine, at Liberty, at Xavier, and, and then the Cancun games with Michigan State and Montana State. So I think Coach O'Regan's put together a pretty challenging non-conference schedule. Yeah, yeah. Jamie, the women typically haven't done that um, non-D1 opener Um they were able to do it this year with the you know crosstown team Eastern Mennonite. Uh, it worked out because the Cancun Challenge for the women originally wasn't considered a, a quote unquote multi team event by the NCAA because they were only playing two games there. That got reclassified to a multi team event, which allowed them to add a game to the schedule. All these uh, crazy NCAA rules yes. about how you can schedule. <laughs> <laughs> so they were able to add a game, and they were able to just do it with the you know the fellow Harrisonburg team and. You know, bring them over, which I, I'm sure will be it'll be fun for people around town to sure. uh, yeah. get that one early. And um, you know, I, I'm sure Sean will be able to play some of his newcomers a little bit in situation mm-hmm. game situations. Um, you know, even you know, freshmen like Jada Mills, uh, you know, a younger point guard like Chloe Sterling. I'm sure they're going to get a lot of minutes in that game before they before it gets a lot tougher for them because they have a pretty challenging schedule, a pretty interesting schedule overall. Mm-hmm. When you look at, you know, four high major teams, a lot of in-state teams like VCU. Um, so I think that's going to be a fun one for, for the women non-conference wise. It's a lot easier for them to kind of schedule more interesting games than it is for the men. 
ways. Yeah, that's it's a much different challenge for the for the men to schedule some big time games, and then even to get some some teams in the Commonwealth to, to get the the Longwoods, the VCU's, the Liberties, the Weeman Marys um, to keep those teams on your schedule. That's important, I think, for this team. Yeah, it definitely is. You know, and you know, um, especially you know, look at programs like Liberty, VCU, um, where they've been solid, and there's been potential for those teams to do really well in their conferences and um the interest is just there because you know they're they're jmu's mid-major peers and state and um you know right now jmu's kind of got an amazing streak going on when it comes to uh when it comes to women's basketball where they they hold the bragging rights against every other team in the in the state of virginia uh they've, they've won the most recent meeting against every other team in the commonwealth and so uh they put that on the line a lot this year, and that's, I think it's something they're pretty proud of. And I think it's a, it'll be fun to kind of put that on the line almost week in, week out here in the uh, in the non-conference schedule. They open up the Sun Belt schedule on the road at Louisiana Monroe. Um, they did not play them a year ago, I don't think. Um, the men don't play Troy this year. The women, um, yeah, they don't play. Oh, they do play South Alabama. I'm trying to think of who it is. Uh, Troy Southern Miss. I think it's. Uh, it is. I'm trying, I can't remember now. I'm, I'm blunt, drawn up blank. It's Troy also. Oh, no, it's no, Texas it's, State. Texas it's State. Texas there you State go. For the women. Thank you. Yeah, we figured this the, out the, together. The, the rematch of the championship game That's won't right. happen yeah. unless it's in the tournament. So. Yeah, no doubt. They open up against Louisiana Monroe, get a couple of home games, but uh, they have a. It's a similar type stretch where they get four in a row in uh, mid to late January at home, and then they close with four on the road. But uh, again, what do you what are you hearing right now about this roster and stuff? Again, obviously a lot of talent back with, with Peyton McDaniel, uh, Jamia Hazel. Um, Steph Oderkirk, Susha Kozlova, all back and, and were big parts of what they did a year ago. But uh, some newcomers as well. The, they'll be asked to do quite a bit with Kiki Jefferson gone and uh, and, and others. So it'll be it'll be interesting to see how this how this all turns out with this roster. Yeah, um, you know, like the men, there's some uh, very experienced transfers who are coming in to replace uh, some people who were big for for JMU last year. Um, you know, Olivia Mullins, I think, is going to be probably probably going to get the starting job at the point guard position. You know, she played really well against JMU at St. Joe's last year. Right. She's experienced. She, she's a uh, seasoned and can do the job. Um, Carol Miller has been a starter at UVA. And um, I think is, you know, probably, probably going to get some solid minutes. Um, you know, a big question mark now at this point, it looks like is uh, heaven Bristow from Ohio state. Uh, Sean was really, really high on her in summer practices. Um, she's, you know, potentially the most athletic player in the entire Sun Belt. Like, uh, you know, she was kind of buried in the rotation a little bit at Ohio state, but she's extremely talented. I think can do, not to say she's a replacement for Kiki Jefferson, but she could do some similar things, guards the same people that Kiki did. But it's a question mark right now whether or not she'll be eligible this year because mm. it's her second time transferring. She's got to get a waiver. Um, the NCAA has been pretty tight on those with uh, football players so far, and I think the basketball players' cases are going to be coming up <clears throat> soon. So uh, it'll be interesting to see. I don't know if they're going to have her this year. Wow. Um that can make a huge difference. That could. <laughs> and, and just, you know, how deep and how talented they are. Yeah, that could be big. And especially now, I was going to ask you about this, Kobe king Hawea, uh, late in the process, decides to jump back in the transfer portal. And was that expected? Is that Did that kind of come out of the blue? That was, um, 
from what I've heard, that was a pretty interesting situation <laughs> where she um, kind of just didn't participate in a lot of the team activities, like since the season ended, um, was was out of town, out of Harrisonburg for the most part. Um, and, you know, from what I've heard from various people is that, you know, she just kind of kind of wasn't straightforward about her intentions, whether she was coming back at times and stuff. And um, that that relationship just kind of uh, dissipated. And they eventually said, you know, they were I think, Jim, you eventually said it was moving on. And, gotcha. uh, you know, I don't I don't know. If she knows exactly where she wants to uh, be and, you know, what the next step in her life is going to be. So, uh Hopefully everything works out for her. Yeah, and, for sure. You know, JMU, JMU got some people who play the same position, so I think they're probably going to be fine there. But uh, yeah, a little bit of a disappointment that you know, very between eligibility, injuries, different things. Like yeah. we didn't get to see a whole lot of her because she's got a ton of talent and ability mm-hmm. and uh, didn't quite get to see much of it while she was at JMU. Yeah, no doubt. Hopefully it works out for her. Like you mentioned, again, it, it didn't work out here, but doesn't mean it can't work out somewhere else. So we'll, we'll wish her the best of luck. But again, the schedules are out. We now know where the Dukes will be playing here for women's and men's basketball in 23 and 24. Shane, thank you so much for your time, man. I appreciate it. We'll catch up again soon. All right. Thanks, Dave.